Manufacturing is this beautiful space where you can come and learn and grow. And you can learn how to problem solve. You can learn how to make things that are of value. And you can make those for the world. And so inside of manufacturing, if we can do this, if we can restore glory and dignity inside of the hearts and minds of all of the adults here that are listening, that can pour into that next generation of leader, then all the ships rise with that. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 People or profitability? Which one is it going to be with your manufacturing organization? Because you can't have it all, right? Or maybe you can. In fact, maybe those two things can go hand in hand. Maybe each can actually make the other stronger. Today, I'm talking with two business leaders from an organization that's built a profitable business and an incredibly engaged and loyal workforce side by side. And these two are about to share their experiences from what they describe as a journey to restore glory and dignity to manufacturing. So let me take a moment to introduce them. John Kramer currently serves as the chairman and CEO of Cambridge Air Solutions, headquartered just outside of St. Louis in Chesterfield, Missouri. Cambridge is a second-generation family-owned manufacturing business founded by the Kramer family with a rich 55-year history. John strives to build a people-centric culture at Cambridge where growth of the people and organizational health drive healthy, sustainable business growth and where every employee goes home better than they arrived. John has been open about his faith in God with the Cambridge team and considers himself blessed beyond measure. Cambridge core values include demonstrating unconditional love for each even when setting high expectations for growth. Ultimately, John has a vision to restore glory and dignity to manufacturing in the US and beyond. Mark Braun joined the Cambridge family in April 2008 as the VP of Operations. Mark has also served as Executive VP of Sales and Marketing and in 2017 was promoted to President. Through Mark's leadership, Cambridge has been able to set strategy that works on the internal and external growth of the organization. Organizational health is everything, and Mark's goals for the organization are to double sales in five years through healthy and sustainable growth by holding employees to the highest of expectations and to love them unconditionally. John and Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. It's great Glad to be, to be with here. You. Well, guys, it's always great when I get to highlight another St. Louis area company on the show. I've been able to do that a handful of times in this first year of this podcast, and it always makes me feel proud of the city. So, St. Louis is a freaking awesome town. Awesome. It is. It's been good to me. I didn't grow up here. I, I grew up in Milwaukee. And I wound up down here for college. And I always tell people I, I met my wife right after college and learned years later that St. Louis girls don't leave St. Louis. So I've, I've built my life here as an adult <laughs> and I've lived here more than half my life now. And, and yeah, I love it. It's, it's really the city. She, she might be better at sales than you. <laughs> yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that is, is fair to say. So yes, yes. 
Great. Well, well, guys, we, we probably could have zeroed in on a number of different topics for this conversation today. But when the three of us chatted a few weeks ago to flesh something out for this episode, one thing that we talked about kind of stood out to me. And that was this idea you talked about related to restoring glory and dignity to manufacturing. So we're going to dive deep on this topic today, and in particular, how the concept comes to life through people and culture inside of a manufacturing organization. But I'm hoping you guys could kick things off by just telling our listeners at a very high level, what exactly does that mean when you say restoring glory and dignity to manufacturing? Joe, that's a good question. Let me start out with that. I is is growing up, I grew up in the manufacturing, did a little bit of manufacturing. And being in sales, I got to travel and see all over manufacturing firsthand. And I fell in love with the people and, and building a product, building something. And as I continue to travel and journey and seek world class, I ended up going to Japan, actually been there three times. And being passionate about lean and operational excellence, did a deep dive. And what I was trained and saw in schools and books was all about lean and and people is about efficiencies and profitability and somebody else is a smarter person in the room. They get a degree and they tell people what to do and you come to work one day and and your next day and your whole workstation's changed. And I didn't see that as really helping people thrive. And so in Japan, what I really saw and learned was there's a in, in Toyota learning studying them, Toyota production system, there's a deep respect for people. Okay? For the environment, the people. But that's what that was missing. That was an aha. And so how can we teach people what mean is and teach waste? You know and, and so for, for me, it's we want to teach people what are the wastes, what are they responsible for, what is their span of control? Because I'm always taught, you know, you're the manager, the supervisor, you're the president, you got to be the smartest person, you got to tell people what to do and how to do it. And that's kind of heavy and it wears you out. And what I saw is when we teach people and give them time and space to make improvements, to create more value for them. They go home being better mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters. They have the ideas. They can impact it. So there's a whole span of control that they have. And that, to me, is a big part of this, where they can thrive. And when when people thrive, families thrive, communities thrive, and, and cities thrive. I love the idea behind all of that. It's a great mission and and just way of operating. Can you put that in context for our listeners a little bit in relation to what Cambridge actually does? Yeah, I can take this one, Joe. So Cambridge, as you heard, was a family-owned business. We actually help leaders in manufacturing and distribution create healthy working environments for their people. You know, I think there's whenever I walked into manufacturing, it wasn't my background. Discrete manufacturing was my background, and John was so passionate about it. And he wanted everyone to be on one team. You know, when you think about glory and dignity to manufacturing, he wanted everyone to feel like their job mattered. And what was interesting is a lot of places we go, the comfort in the facilities, it's either too cold in the winter or too hot in the summer. And then you go into the offices and it's exactly the perfect temperature all the way through and through. And it's just one example of the barriers and the blocks, the building blocks between those in the plant compared to those in the office. And so when you think about glory and dignity, one example of that is how do we make it comfortable for everybody to work? How do we do that? And so our equipment is designed specifically for that. And that's one way we can help the manufacturing sector do that. 
I mean, the other is culturally and being able to help them see a different way to treat employees where you get the best out of every single person. How do you get the problem-solving mind, the genius out of every level of the organization? People on the front line have the best problem-solving capability of their processes that they own. And so how do you do that on an ongoing basis? And so that's another example of, of how you do that. So we do that on both sides, helping manufacturers inspire and encourage them on the cultural side and also helping them solve the comfort problems in their plants and get them on a better path forward, which has impact on on their productivity and, and on their dignity. Well, on that topic of culture, you guys have talked to me about the idea of building a culture that celebrates people. So can you go a little deeper on that? What's that mean to you? Why is that so important? So 13 years ago, John invited me in to the organization. He sat down with me and he told me his vision of he wanted to build a growth-based business that celebrated people. He wanted all the beautiful values of his family to be held on to while we built a growth-based business together. And some of the tangible ways that looks like today. So we set aside 45 minutes of our production out of a 10-hour shift to just focus on the growth of our people. There's two sections to that. One is a 15-minute, we call it a morning meeting, and everybody in the whole organization is there. It's a different person leads by volunteer every single day. And so anybody in the organization can lead that meeting. And they, we look at the company metrics, but we also celebrate what people are grateful for and how their life is going. They can teach us something that they want to teach us. They can share improvements that they're working on in their own processes. And then we've got a 30-minute section of that 40-minute time where their only goal is to improve their job. We set it aside. We call it lean and clean time. And so their job during that time is to make improvements to their work processes. And so they spend that time collaborating with each other and figuring out how to make their processes faster or simpler or easier to do or safer or better for the client. And so they keep on working on those every single day. And then we let them share those improvements in a unique way in those morning meetings the next day. They take a quick selfie video of that and they share those videos with us the next day. So we get to see the improvements that were made the day before by all the employees throughout the organization. So that's a tangible way that we celebrate the people inside of Cambridge and the number of people that grow during that morning meeting and the lean and clean time. It's just so fun to watch them grow and learn and celebrate what they're improving. That's really cool. It's, it's some, it sounds like something very unique to me. I haven't really heard this from other, other manufacturing leaders. Is it, how, do, how well do people respond really well to this inside the organization? Yeah, they do. And it comes from, I'll actually let John share how it came in, but you know, his investment in, in myself and all of us to be able to be exposed outside of the organization to best practices. And we all just steal from other manufacturers. Hmm. We borrow their best practices. And so John, tell them how that came about or what that was from. No, it was really fun. But I have a, a friend, Paul Akers, who wrote the book Two Second Lean. And he's one of those really brilliant people that synthesized down the simplicity of Toyota production to production systems and talk about what are the eight wastes. And really they are you know, overproduction, transportation, inventory defects, overprocessing, motion. And the worst of the eight wastes is unused employee genius. And here's where we like to camp out. You're doing the work. You know where it is. Where are, where's your struggle? Where's your strain? Or we say, fix what bugs you. And so we, we, we exposed some of our team to that, more of our team to that, and came back really excited. And then also during Lean and Clean, we have teams that clean the bathrooms. And so it's very common that you'll see Mark or myself or other senior leaders cleaning the bathrooms with other people. 
having fun. You get to know people. You get, you know, you don't get to talk to all the time. You get to work with them. And where are you cleaning? Here, what's your story? What's happening? What do you do this weekend? What, what's your hobby or whatever? So it's just a different way to live life and get to know people as you're humanizing work that I just love because these are real people just like me and, and they got all the same problems I do, you know, kids, aging parents, you know, marriage, all sorts of stuff. And yet we're able to live it together in just different ways to celebrate it and also. Yeah. So I guess it was about six years ago, Joe, that John sent three leaders out to actually see Two Second Lean in action, that, that book that he mentioned from Paul Akers. And so they got to see it in action and they had a morning meeting and a dedicated time of improvement. So they came back excited about the potential for that. And we looked at it as an executive team and said, hey, go for it. If you want to try this inside of operations, let's figure it out. And so that started, I guess, in 2015. And we've had a morning meeting every single day since that time. And we've documented by, by video over 7,000 improvements made throughout the company all across areas. It's just unbelievable to see the improvements. And those all add to the ability to deliver profitable value to the client. And so our clients get better delivery, better quality, better cost. And our teams are just lit on fire on, ha- on having fun improving things, growing right in front of our eyes. For you guys, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear, hear that. And my next question here, I, I had prepared, I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently just based on, on what you've, you've told me here. But you know, so many companies are about profitability at all costs and would probably, you know, listen to some of the things that, that you're saying and say, well, you know, we're, we're, we need to, to run a profitable company. Like we, that needs to come first. And I think what I'm gathering from you guys is that's almost a product of this way of operating rather than, you know, I was, I was going to ask you, how do you find balance between these things? But it seems like they, they kind of go hand in hand. So I'll, I'll let you guys kind of, you know, address that how you'd like to, but really it's, you know, how, how do you find a balance and how does profitability fit in with this people first culture? In a nutshell, we all celebrate winning together. I, I grew up with very gracious parents, grandparents, and, you know, giving, learning. And so I always love it defining winning together. So we do have a, a quarterly incentive. You know, we make a profit and, and everybody gets a part of that every quarter. Because we want celebrating winning together, and it builds on that. And then when we went through COVID, it was a really, really hard time. But we we go to, to care after our people to make sure that they're doing well and thriving. And and yet we held everybody together, and we powered through it. When they saw a lot of their peers, their friends, their companies had other different responses, and so it just makes you happy to see people able to thrive and grow particularly when you have critical infrastructure that you're trying to build, and, but to give them a reason why. And so it's a big part of that is celebrating in, in, the, in the people. Yeah, Joe, I think it's so interesting. You know, this question comes up a lot about, you know, is it about profits or is it about people? And I, I actually think it's what I would call a false choice. You know, the idea that most people believe that you have to live in an either or world where you choose between two things. And so I think manufacturing leaders, one of the attractive pieces for me for manufacturing is that we lead a diverse group of people. Every manufacturer has folks from the front line all the way up and in every type of field, engineers, sales, marketing, manufacturing, service. And all of those have a lot of diverse ideas about what is important in life. And so what we want to do is to be able to lead a unified group towards a common goal. And it's above 
it's above those two things. It's actually the purpose has to combine both profitability and care for people. That's what is critical. And it's, it's, we talk about it all the time. When we went into COVID, there were people yelling that we had to keep people safe. And you heard those yells loudly out in the marketplace. There were people yelling that we had to keep business open. And they were loud about it. And we decided to do both. We said we have to keep people safe and we have to keep the business running. There's not an either or here. There's not a choice between two things. How? And then we, then we asked the geniuses inside of Cambridge to figure out how we were going to do both. And so that was when you've got a culture that says it's not an either or game, we're going to figure this out together. We have to be able to do both, care well for our people and be profitable. We have to do both. How do we do that well? We've got to keep everybody safe and we've got to take care of our clients. How are we going to do both? And so they just went to work and just knocked it out of the park this last year. That's pretty cool. Well, I was going to ask you about kind of COVID and you know the, the last 15 months or so. You know, we're recording this in late May of 2021. Seems like we're we're starting to crawl out of this thing. I guess that's still to be seen, but you know it's it's looking brighter. So, how have you guys managed? I mean, you've kind of given me an example there, but what have you done to to you know not only stay afloat but to continue to move the business forward? And are there things you've learned that you're going to carry into the future, even beyond this pandemic? I think real quick, first of all, is is keeping our daily rhythms. Our morning meeting, we went virtual right away, and that kept a sense of normalcy here. And we then we started inviting other visitors or customers in with us to go to join us and, and see. But I think that's really, really important as we navigate, because everybody has, you know, your home situations, school situations, and, and all. And so I think that was one of our most important things is trying to keep and working and keeping the daily rhythms, that morning meeting in specific, and then having an incredible COVID team that collaborated with other companies to share best ideas and practices. Yeah, I think the inspiring part, you know, you you watch what human resilience can can bring. I mean, what challenge whenever thrown in front of a group can do for growth. And so I'll I'll share some of the internal stuff, but, but but before I do that, I just want to share the manufacturing community has such has been such an amazing collective group this last year. So an example of that, there's 22 manufacturers in St. Louis who are part of the Association for Manufacturing Excellence Consortium in St. Louis. And uh, we started moving. What, 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 in times of crisis, the couple things you do, you increase frequency of communication in meetings instead of decrease so that you can communicate because changes were happening rapidly across all of our companies. All 22 of us were like, holy cow, what is going to happen, right? And so we started collaborating and helping each other with rapid changes for safety protocols and for systems that are going on inside. And for, you know, the legal world is all changing drastically. The amount of decisions we had to make in those first three months coming into COVID, I mean, I, I think we were making massive decisions every week. And so we partnered with all the manufacturers in St. Louis and said, we're going to get together weekly and share what decisions we're making so that we can hear them from the people, directly from the presidents, directly from the HR leaders, directly from the operational leaders to say, what are you doing right now? And then we would adjust our plan because they were making decisions in one area really well, but we were making another area really well. It was so complex that we needed everybody up and running. And so that collaboration, I believe, in manufacturing is better than in any other industry I've ever seen. And I'm just excited about the St. Louis region for doing that so well over this time. And we couldn't have made it through without them. 
Internally, we had to do the same thing, increase frequency of communication. So if we were meeting weekly, we moved those to biweekly. If we were meeting daily, we kept them daily because we had to be able to talk all the time because things were changing so rapidly. We set three three high-level goals. One was the safety plus continued operations. The second one was around cash conservation. We wanted to make sure that we did we had as much leeway as possible without having to make any payroll adjustments. And we were successful. Thank you. Thank you to all the powers that be for being able to not have to make any payroll changes. So we made it without any layoffs or, or furloughs. And the third was to grow and innovate through this. And so the growth and innovate through that had to come out of after you dealt with the safety issues and the client issues, you had to be able to grow above and beyond that. And so our teams have learned so much. He mentioned uh, one of them. So we started bringing manufacturers in to help share best practices about how to deal with this issue. And they started learning a lot. And so we said, well, let's invite more. So over the last eight months, we've had just over 1,800 manufacturing leaders come and see the daily rhythms. And we've gone to see theirs. They've come to see ours. But 1,800 people have come to see our morning meeting in this last eight months. And that is an innovative approach to, you could call it marketing if you wanted to. It's a way to share that we're in this with you and for you. And by the way, if you'd like to make your plant comfortable, we would love to do that as well. And so being able to do that, letting them come in, have a positive experience and us to pour in. And some of them raise their hand and say, hey, can you help us with our heat? Could you help us with our indoor air quality issues in our plants? Could you help us with our our cooling? And we say, of course we can. We can do that. So that has been an innovative growth approach. When we couldn't travel to our clients, they could come see us and we could celebrate them and uh, grow through that. Oh man, I, that absolutely is marketing, whether you want to call it that or not, but it's it's the best form of marketing where you are actually doing good and helping people. They're benefiting from it. They're learning from you. And in naturally, some business relationships will come from it as well. I think it's just fantastic. I'm, I'm a huge fan of content marketing and... You or know, or guerrilla marketing. Yeah, guerrilla marketing, as, as, as we <laughs> called it years ago and inspired our, our company's name. But but you know, I, the thing I always say is create value. Just create focus on creating value for the people you're trying to reach. And if you're doing that like consistently, good things are going to come from it. And I think what you just described is a very unique, niched way of doing that. That I don't know. I've, I've really seen something quite like that before, but I think it's super smart. Well, it, it seems like you're doing it as well. And so you know, the idea that you're openly sharing best practices across the platform of podcasting is one of your givebacks. And it's how you can pour into the industry and help lift up and encourage. And so it comes from a deep heart of generosity that John had deep inside of him. And we get to all celebrate in and pay forward. And there are manufacturers around the world that we can name by name that have done it for us. And we just want to keep on paying that forward. Love it. I just love the approach. I think it's really great. Was there anything that we did not touch on today that you guys wish we had? I want to just kind of open it up to you here. I know that we would love, of course, for your listeners to come and visit. If they would like to, they can go to tours.cambridgeair.com and come see us anytime. And if they've got things that they're open to and willing to share with us, we'd love to send our teams there to learn from them. I believe that, you know, back to the glory and dignity piece, I had to be convinced by John after I got here, actually, that manufacturing was this beautiful, worthy cause. I knew that business, I loved business and I loved people, but I didn't really have a love or passion for manufacturing. I do now. I think about the 
you know, what I, what I view it as is when I grew up, people were talking about manufacturing as it was the past, not the present or the future. And that it was below me and the people who were telling me. And I think about how painful that is to hear right now. I mean, I can feel it deep inside my bones because it, it hurts me deeply to hear that our kids are hearing that message from people. And I want them to have the opposite message, that manufacturing is this beautiful space where you can come and learn and grow. And you can learn how to problem solve. You can learn how to make things that are of value. And you can make those for the world. And so inside of manufacturing, if we can do this, if we can restore glory and dignity inside of the hearts and minds of all of the adults here that are listening, that can pour into that next generation of leader, then all the ships rise with that. If you do it for manufacturing, all business rises from that. But if you think manufacturing is too below you, and you think cutting grass is too below you, and you think business is too below you, and you think whatever it is, the next thing that gets demoted in your mind and all you want to do is sit around and do nothing, it's not going to work out well. So I, I want the U.S., I want the world to know the power of manufacturing. I have bought into John's vision, and I'm with him and would love to help anybody who wants to be in that space, uh, get more connected and, and keep on pushing forward. If they would like to start a consortia, if they'd like to be something in their community, we'd love to help them. I, Mark, I, I love that. I cannot say better how you summarize that. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. One of the things too is this is a journey. You know, manufacturing, growing dignity is, is, is not a destination. We didn't start out well or right. We did, we had, we have all those problems. The, our first meeting, morning meetings were brutal. Uh, you know, somebody had to, you know, tag team whose day is it to be the encourager while trying to figure it out. But we figured out and, and other companies shared with us and we grew and we learned. And so we invite other people to join us, not because we're there, because you're here to hear their stories, the people in the plant floor. You want to hear John or, or Mark speak, you know, we could talk all about it, but it, it's them. They are those stories and it's still a journey. And so the more people that join this journey, the in, more impact we're going to have. And it also, we grow and learn from it. And, and that's what's so in many ways that is enriching in and of itself. That was great, guys. I love love the way you wrapped that up there. It's really powerful and a really strong message to send. Well, Joe, I just love what you're doing, highlighting and celebrating folks around, and it's great to to see uh, your organization doing that. And you know, one more comment. You know, you help people tell stories about what's already successful inside, and I think the power of that. We in the Midwest, in St. Louis specifically, we have a lot of people doing incredible things. And if we could get them telling those stories more, more effectively to be able to help encourage and inspire others to take the path, I think it could really, you know, could change the community, could change the world. And so thank you for, for what you do as well and helping people do that. Also, Joe, what's interesting, manu- in manufacturing turnover, I think the average is about 60% right now, turnover. You know, that's a different conversation of the what or why. But the reality is that's what it is. And, and we just bumped up to 10% and we're, we're trying to figure it, figure it out. So there's, there's something there that I'm, I'm proud about with our employees. And because they are doing well, then we do well. I do well. I think it's fantastic. I completely agree with you. 
Well, guys, awesome conversation today. Really enjoyed this. I I love you're doing, you know, and bringing into manufacturing. It's so rich and rewarding. And I'm grateful for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. How what's the best way for uh, our listeners to get in touch with you and to learn more about Cambridge Air Air Solutions? So for general inquiries, cambridgeair.com, anytime, anywhere, obviously connect with us on all the social feeds on LinkedIn and Facebook and any of those places. But if you'd like to come and see what we're about, it's an hour and a half of your life or less. And uh, we'd love to have you as guests. And I, that is at tours.cambridgeair.com. They can go out and actually look at that. So it's fantastic. Well, guys, once again, thank you for doing this today. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank, thank you, Joe, for what you do. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.